0: And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program.
1: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
0: And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. What's up, Unbroken Nation? Hello, my friends. I'm Michael Unbroken, host of the Think Unbroken podcast and founder of thinkunbroken.com. And i'm honored to be your trauma coach and mentor because i believe that everyone is capable of getting unstuck cultivating self-love and becoming the hero of their own story i believe that when implemented correctly the practical tools and education you will receive from this show will help you lead an unbroken and extraordinary life i believe that no matter what we come from that we all have the ability to choose ourselves first to create and manifest a powerful and grace-filled future and love the reflection in the mirror. I believe that every day is a day to grow, learn, heal, and change. That's why I started my company, thinkunbroken.com, which is an online training and healing and personal growth platform where you get everything that I know about how to get motivated, be accountable, get out of the vortex, and become the hero of your own story through community connection, and commitment. For more information, visit thinkunbroken.com. Please listen closely as you may learn just one thing that will help you be unbroken. And please share this episode with at least three of your friends because we all need community and connection in our healing journey. And be sure to DM me and tag me on Instagram at michaelunbroken so that I can say hi. I just wanna thank you again for being a part of this, for listening and being a member of the Unbroken Nation. Now, let's get into today's show and make the world unbroken. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I'm super excited to have my guest today, Joe Sanok, who is a keynote and TEDx speaker, a business consultant and podcaster. Uh, Joe is an incredible human being. Comes highly recommended from some of my friends uh, who said you have to have this human being on your show. So, Joe, how are you, my friend? What is going on today? Uh, I'm doing awesome. It's just great to be here. Yeah, man, I'm super excited to have you. For those who don't know you, can you give us a bit of your elevator pitch and how you got to where you are today?
2: Yeah, so I'm trained as a licensed professional counselor, also as a psychologist, and for years had my own private practice And through that, I started podcasting about the business of private practice, all the marketing and business side of things. We never learned that in grad school. So through practice of the practice, I now help thousands of therapists every month um, to start grow and scale their private practices. But through that process, I noticed that a lot of these therapists uh, were highly skilled in their particular areas, um, but they really didn't know how to look at their time, how to level up, how to really do their very best work. They were really getting into the weeds of their businesses. And and so over time, started to develop techniques to help them work fewer hours to do their very best work with their clients, um, but then to really uh, be able to live great lives outside of that. And that's where the book Thursday is the New Friday kind of came out of that journey of helping entrepreneurs. And I mean, we can get into those techniques later. Um, but really, for me, it was coming from a place of if these folks are helping people clinically, they, should, they shouldn't they should go home and feel burned out and their families get the scraps. That They should be living a full life, be able to best help as many people as they can while also understanding that they have things outside of that clinical work that they want to do.
0: And I think that's so much of what happens for people, regardless of industry. Um, You know, just the other day, I was like, you know what, I'm taking mental health break. I'm clearing my calendar. I'm clearing my schedule, taking care of myself. And, you know, I think it's strange to me that we live in a society that pushes so hard on this idea right now of work, hustle, work, hustle. Don't sleep, sleep when you're dead. And I'm like, you cannot practically build anything if you're exhausted, if you're burned out. And worse, you're taking away um, from your family, from your community, from your friends, from your impact. So I know that people listening to this right now are in that place where whether or not they're an entrepreneur, they're working two jobs, it's fucking COVID, life is chaotic. They got the kids, they got the family. How do you start to navigate, you know, this thing around time and leveraging it to your benefit?
2: Yeah, I think before we can even talk about where we're at and where we're going, it's really important to understand just a little bit of the history of time, uh, because sometimes we see things right now as being super normal, but in reality, they actually aren't. Um, So if we go back a few thousand years to the Babylonians, um, they made up the seven-day week. Uh, They looked up in the sky and they saw seven major celestial things, the sun, the moon, earth, Mercury, Venus, Jupiter, and Mars. So seven. And that's what they valued. And so they had a seven-day week. The Egyptians had an eight-day week. The Romans had a 10-day week. It wasn't until 300 that across the Roman Empire, it switched to a seven-day week when the emperor became a Christian. And so this thing that we think is oh so sacred, the seven-day week, is actually completely made up. You know, the year makes sense. It's how long it takes us to go around the sun. A day makes sense because that's how long it takes to spin to get back to having the sunrise but we could just as easily have had a five-day week and 73 weeks in a year. So then fast forward to the late 1800s, early 1900s, people were on average working 10 to 14 hours a day, six to seven days a week. So in 1926, when Henry Ford instituted the 40-hour work week, that was a huge step forward for the evolution of business and for people. Uh, Henry Ford had this idea that he could sell more cars if he gave people a weekend when they actually could use the car to go somewhere. He's like, they're not going to buy a car to get to work faster, but if they have time off, well, they'll definitely buy a car. So it was to sell more cars less than a hundred years ago. So again, if we think about this as, oh, there's this hustle culture and you got to work all these hours, where does that really come from? Well, it comes from the industrialists. The industrialists said, we're just machines. You're part of an assembly line. Do we actually deep down believe that still? Like, do we look at our coworkers and say, you're just part of the machine? No, of course not. We see the nuance. We see the humanity. We see that people have a ton of diversity and passion and all of that. We don't think like the industrialists in almost every other way except for work. And the pandemic really was that final nail in the coffin for the industrialists, where we all stepped back and said, why are we working this way? Like, yes, we all had different types of stress, our kids on Zoom school and all the things that came with the pandemic. But one thing that it did do is it made us step back and say, do we want to keep working how we were working before this? And I would say no. And so when we look forward, we're the generation that gets to say post-pandemic, well, at least hopefully post-pandemic, we'll see what (laughs) plans <laughs> up coming out, Uh gets to say, how do we want work to look moving forward? And we're seeing that large corporations, countries, small businesses are moving towards that four-day work week to have more time to slow down, to then be more creative and more productive. I, I think that's a great idea. And I'm
0: fascinated actually by the history of it. It's, it's, so mind-boggling how many things have been implemented by Henry Ford that continue to carry through. And as someone who's an entrepreneur, um, I, I always look at that guy and go, "Man, that guy was like way ahead of his time in so many different ways." Uh, but that's neither here nor there. It's just something that crossed my mind. One of the things I'm curious about, you know, looking at this and understanding, yes, there are many companies, many businesses, many countries that are moving towards this idea of adapting a different work-life balance. But let's say you work for someone who doesn't. It's it's impacting your mental health. It's impacting your family. It's like every day you're, you wake up. So I used to work in corporate America. I hated going to work in the morning. And I looked at it. I said, you know, what? I'm going to go and create the life that I want to have if you're in this position, you got family, you got kids, the whole nine, and and you're struggling through the mental health aspects of it, COVID and depression, anxiety, zoom fatigue, the whole nine, like, what can you really do to take care of yourself in this without just like straight up quitting your job?
2: Yeah. So let's walk through what to do. If you have a boss that may be open to this, there are going to be supervisors, companies, corporations that they're straight up industrialists. They are thinking about just the bottom line. They aren't looking for creativity. They want butts in the chair 40 plus hours a week. So you may be in in kind of a crisis of decision when you realize, wow, I'm working for an industrialist. This is never going to change. This is the next 20 years of my life if I stay here. You then have different decisions to make than someone that there might be some wiggle room. So if you're in that situation, that's just a decision you have to make in regards to staying in that job or not. But let's say that you think that your corporation or your company or your department has some wiggle room is looking at creativity. Uh, What we're seeing work is that oftentimes when you engage with a small group, so it might be six to eight people within a department uh, and you all read the book together, you're like, yes, we wanna do this. And either engaging the supervisor within that book club or um, engaging them after. You then talk to that supervisor about what are the common KPIs for that team. So you don't want a team that has an accountant and someone from creative and someone from sales and someone from customer service. You wanna try to have that group be as cohesive as possible in regards to the roles that they're in. So what are the two, maybe three key performance indicators that that team is being judged on? Is it purely sales? Is it productivity? If so, how is that productivity judged? Um, What are the outcomes that you'll be able to say, yes, you achieved it or no, you didn't. So then you make a proposal to that supervisor and say for the next two months minimum or three months, so up to a quarter, we want to do an experiment. And in doing this experiment, uh, we want to do a few things. We want to see if we can outdo the productivity or creativity that we're being judged on. We wanna do that in four days a week. And if we're successful, that for you as a supervisor is gonna help you brag to the company, show that you're innovative, whatever their particular goals are. So assuming that supervisor is up for it, then what you wanna do is you wanna sit down with that team and walk through what are the clear boundaries that we as a team can all agree to. Because what can happen is say you all say, We're not going to email each other after we leave the office. And it takes just one person sending an email at 930 when their kid's in bed. And then it starts this whole thing. And you show up the next day at work and you're like, I didn't know that there was this whole discussion going on. And then the whole thing falls apart. So you want to have some common hard boundaries and some common soft boundaries. So a hard boundary would be something like, all right, we are never going to email from Thursday at five until Monday morning at eight. Okay, we're just, that's gonna be non email time. Or maybe you realize, okay, we're an IT department. If someone's locked out with their password, someone has to be on call. So we're gonna rotate through an on call schedule. So you're gonna try to work out all the potential problems of moving from a five day work week to a four day work week. And then what are the soft boundaries? Where are areas that, We'll have some reasonable wiggle room. What kind of fires, if they happen, are we going to say, hey, we just need to solve the fire? Even though we said we're taking Friday off, let's not get sucked back in. But who are the one or two people that can put out that fires? So then after you've set those boundaries, then on Monday mornings or whatever your first day is, you want to evaluate first and foremost, how did we do on the boundaries? Hey, listen, Jim, you sent me an email at nine o'clock at night on Wednesday. I ignored it, but that ended up making me on Thursday morning feel like I was out of the loop. Uh, I feel like we need to either say we're not emailing or we need to email. So having those conversations to say, what is our culture as a team to genuinely slow down so that we can have more creativity. And then next, what you're gonna do is you're gonna look at your numbers with your KPIs and report those out to the supervisor. So is it up 2%, is it down 5%? And then what are you gonna do about each of those numbers moving forward so that that supervisor is getting weekly analytics that they can look at with this experiment? I
0: think those are, are great points, Joe. And even my team, we have boundaries here at Think Unbroken, and they know when we are, are and are not working. Um, and even in the other companies that I run. And, and I, in many times in my career, professionally have set the precedent for being able to establish, you know, how work-life balance or relationships exist, um, including in one of my companies being the first person to step into remote work. And, and I'm, I'm going to say this because a lot of people will hear this and they will go, well, Joe, it'd be awesome. I'd love to work, you know, four days a week, have Fridays to go take the kids to the park and do those things. But I'm going to tell you right now, the thing going through their mind is two parts. One, the fear of asking and two, the predetermined idealization that it's not going to happen anyway. So why bother? Yeah. So how do you navigate those two parts of this conversation? Do you have trouble falling asleep at night because you have anxiety? I know that I do, and that's why I started using NW Recoveries Sleep melatonin formula with CBD. And it's a non-psychoactive CBD, which is really important to people like me who have anxiety and depression because sometimes THC can make you have panic attacks. And this doesn't. Not only is this formulation by NW Recovery made with melatonin, which helps you sleep, has non-psychoactive CBD. So there's no THC in this product at all. I want you to check this out. If you've never used melatonin before, I have a tremendously difficult time sleeping. And when I started using the recovery sleep formulation, I sleep like a baby. So I want you to check out nw-recovery.com where you can use the keyword unbroken to save 20% on your first order. Again, that's nw-recovery.com and use the keyword unbroken to save 20%. Yeah,
2: so I think that, you know, there are going to be industries that it's dangerous to raise this question. Uh, and that's where we've got to look at a couple of things. We know that Friday is not as productive as Monday. Um, we know it's a half lived day. It's a day where we have birthday parties. We have baby showers. We have cheesy team building activities that it is not as productive as many other days of the week. And that's where I think the experiment model can really can really work. Um, also looking at some of the research that's out there. So there's Kalamazoo Valley Community College. It's in Southwest Michigan, in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And several years ago, this HVAC instructor. So he's teaching about, you know, heating and cooling in buildings. He, every Friday went up to the top of the building and took a picture. And he looked at how few students were actually on campus. Then he ran the numbers and he said, this is how much it costs in the summertime for us to cool all of these buildings for Friday when nobody is practically in there. And so he took that to the board and he said, you know, if we just closed down on Fridays and just went Monday through Thursday in the summertime, here's how much in air conditioning cost we would save per year. So they did it as an experiment for the first summer. Now they've done it for several years and they found that yes, they've saved millions in AC, but there's a lot of unintended benefits. So they found that the, the workers were happier. They found that students were happier because some of those offices were open later or open earlier. They found that health outcomes were better and that people weren't leaving as much. mean, you think about it, if someone leaves a company, how long it takes for them to just to get a new person back up and running at the same productivity. So there's all these ancillary things. So in your own industry, doing as much of that kind of analytical research ahead of time and deciding for yourself, are you going to be the one that sticks your neck out? Uh, If you don't feel that you can influence the company that you're working at, that you can't reshape it, that you can't push it to evolve in positive ways that we're seeing across society happen, to me, that would be a big red flag. Now, not everyone has the privilege to just like mic drop, peace out, I'm, I'm leaving this. But I would say that that's something to really think hard about of, do I want to be in a business that can't even help me feel safe to say I want to try something innovative?
0: That's a a super interesting thought. And and you're right. I mean, I go back to being very young. I I got my first job in corporate America at 20 years old. I was working for a Fortune 10 company. And at that time, I was, for lack of a better term, terrified of um, stirring the pot at all until I reached the point where I just didn't care anymore. And part of that was because I just didn't care about (laughs) the company. And and I think that's a a, a difficult pill to swallow when you have the livelihood of your family to take into consideration. But also, I think about this all the time, man. Like, my mental health is way more important than my paycheck. And and I think people get kind of trapped in this idea. And with your experience and your background, I'd love if you could dive into this a little bit. How does someone, like, move through this idea that, This job is their livelihood, whereas that fear is so prominent that the idea of whether it's, you know, implementing something like this or just straight up quitting or going what's next, but putting themselves first actually has become secondary to the corporation. How do you talk to people about that to let them know
2: it's okay to have their mental health be first? I mean, I would start with that you're paying in some way, no matter what. So if you're at a stressed out job where you don't, don't have influence, where you can't be creative, where you can't bring new ideas, you're probably paying through your relationships. So you know maybe you have more tension with your spouse than you should. Maybe you're not showing up as a dad or a mom as well as you should. Um, maybe you don't have time to be with your friends or to even have your health be a part of what you do. Maybe you're eating out more than you should because... You know, like you just don't have time to cook. Um, so if you are stressed out and maxed out, you're already paying. It, it may not be financially, but you're already paying. And you may pay financially too. I mean, divorces are freaking expensive. Um, there's so many things that, that you're already paying for. So I would start with that. I would also start with, um, I think oftentimes we underestimate the power of a worker. Um, and in regards to our own ability to level up. Uh, into other companies and with our experience. Um, A lot of times when we feel so vulnerable as a worker is when we haven't done our own planning personally. And so that's where even just starting to pay down your debt, starting to be a little bit tighter with your budget, saving up three or six months of living expenses. So you can take bigger risks and not just not be able to have a house the next month. Like of course, we're not gonna just kind of rock the apple cart when you have zero financial freedom. Um, But to start to step back and say, why am I living on a razor's edge? Like if you're living paycheck to paycheck, you're gonna have a lot more stress than someone that says, you know what? Let's live in a smaller place. Let's not lease four cars or two big cars or whatever. We're gonna just reasonably put money aside so that eventually I can push back and maybe recreate this job or jump into another job without having as much risk.
0: Yeah, and I, I think there's a something really big in the idea of creating the framework for what you want. Um, I would have to assume this has been a part of your experience and probably something that you help people with. But what role do like having goals and setting goals play in this entire process for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, just for me personally, I had the full 40-hour-a-week job uh, back in 2014. I was full-time at a community college, uh, and then I had my side gigs going. And and so to decide when I was going to leave that, uh, it really took a lot of planning. It took a lot of goal-setting to say, financially, how many clients do I need outside of this full-time job to be able to feel good about leaving this full-time job? Both my daughters had heart issues. So I was bringing in all the medical insurance, all of the money. Uh, My wife at the time, she was a stay-at-home mom. So it was a, a time where everything was on my shoulders. So I get it that you're not just gonna jump because um, you're frustrated with your work. And I actually wasn't even frustrated with my work. I loved the work that I was doing. I had lots of autonomy and uh, it, it was actually harder, I think, because it, it wasn't leaving something I didn't like. It was moving into something that I thought could give me you know more satisfaction. And, and so just even being able to say, for me personally, What do I need to do in order to feel like I could make this jump? So I even made this whole like when to leave your job calculator, I put it on a blog post on on my website because I I put in my paycheck, all the benefits, everything, and then said, okay, how many counseling clients do I need to just have apples to apples here to know? And when I saw that it was, I think, 13 clients compared to a -a 40-hour-a-week job, and I was already at eight clients a week, I'm like, I need five more clients just to make the same amount Like that number helped inform me that it wasn't as big of a jump as I thought. I think for a lot of people, they think it's this huge jump, but your skill set sometimes when you're independent um, and not that I'm not saying everyone needs to go start their own businesses, but even to do something on the side and say, so I'm doing this at work, getting paid, you know, 80 grand a year. So that's $40 an hour. What if I just started a side gig to test this out to see if I can get clients at 150 an hour with my skill set? Okay, what what if I had four clients at 150 an hour a week and for a while I worked every Tuesday night after work for an extra four hours? Um, What would that do to me to just show me that there are other paths? There are other ways to do it, Um, to just be able to test out some of these different mindsets and realize that I don't have to do things exactly like the world has told me. Yeah. And and I think in that you, you have to challenge
0: yourself a bit, right? Because I, I, I've, I go back to being an entrepreneur from a very young age. And this audience has heard it, the Unbroken Nation. I'm sorry, you've heard it a million times. You guys know. But being an entrepreneur to me has always felt like that's where freedom truly is. And it's not about money, but it's instead about passion and kind of honoring who it is that I believe that I'm capable of being. And, and the idea that we're stuck in this corporate environment often feels like it's like seething and sucking from you, right? It's like taking your energy. So how do you, let, let's say for, for context sake, you do wanna step into creating a side hustle, right? Maybe it's just extra money to go for a trip or help the kids or, or whatever it is. How do you actually like balance that? Because I think people get caught up in this idea that you have to do it all, all the time, and I'm always thinking like, mm, I think you have to do it right all the time. Yeah. So how do you
1: kind
2: of balance that and navigate that part of it, Joe? I mean, I think that whether we're talking about a side hustle or even entrepreneurs that are doing things on their own, we have to know the book ends. So when are you working? When are you not? And so if you're doing a side hustle, it's really hard if you say outside of work, I'm always side hustling. Um, that's a terrible and toxic culture to set up for yourself versus. You know what, every Monday night, I'm gonna work on this for two and a half hours, um, or I'm gonna step away and work on this. This is where your sprint types really come into play because um, we found that similar to personality types, we have sprint types. And and so the way that we work, um, we want it to match our brains. And so, first, we wanna look at when you're sprinting, when you're running full tilt towards the side hustle, first, you enjoy batching things where it's the same thing all the time. Or do you need variety in the work that you're doing? So you want to look at that. Like, how do you do the work? And then the other question we want to ask ourselves is when? So do you do the work every week? So it's every Monday for two and a half hours, you're going to work on it? Or do you need to set aside a retreat for yourself? So some people need to have that intensive sprint where you go away and you you just go work on the side hustle. And then you come back and you don't really think about it. And then you go away. Um, And so figuring out your sprint type and walking through that then allows you when you're going to do the work, you get more done. And so I would say that being able to really figure out our environment, using the neuroscience to get more done in a short period of time, realizing that we need to have frequent breaks to reset our brain, all those things help us get the most out of the time we dedicate to a side hustle.
0: I love that. And I I think a word I'm going to add that you didn't use is boundaries. Guys, I'll tell you right now, you got to put boundaries on yourself and businesses and relationships and career and family and the whole nine. Uh, Joe, before I ask you my last question, can you tell everybody a little bit more about the book, where they can find it, what's going on in your life and where they can find you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the book's called Thursday is the new Friday. It's available wherever you get your books. Uh, You can pre-order it on Amazon. It drops on October 5th. Uh, You can also get it at local bookstores. Just have them order it and that'll arrive on October 5th. And if you get five of them, we have access to a digital conference that you get to come to. And then if you get 10 of them, then you get to join a mastermind group that I'm hosting for six weeks through November and December. Uh, and Thursday is the new Friday.com is where there's all the information about submitting your retreat, your receipt. Uh, if you want access to any of those bonuses, um, you can just order it wherever you want to get it. We have audio, we have digital and kind of traditional. Uh, it's through HarperCollins. And we have a lot of other details over at josanock.com where people are submitting their experiments uh, as they try new things around four day work weeks. We wanna learn from each other. We wanna hear what you're doing. So you can submit your experiments there uh, as well. Any book clubs or things like that that are going on will be over at joesanock.com. I think that's, I, I love the idea of the four
0: day work week, man, I hope we implement it. Maybe we can get to two days. I don't know, we'll see what happens. Uh, my, my last question for you, my friend is, what does it mean to you to be unbroken?
2: Yeah. So I think that a lot of times when people hear the word unbroken, they think that you've never been broken or they think that, um, the highest thing to achieve is to not have pain in your life or to not go through tough things. And I would actually argue that the unfolding of your life for all of its good, it's bad, it's terrible, it's happy, um, is uniquely your life. Um, and for me, I've been through a lot of traumatic and terrible things. Um, When I get to the end of my life, um, would I want to relive those things? No, but that's my unique life. And if God or spirit or energy or force or whatever said to me, Joe, would you rather just absorb into the universe or would you rather go back and relive this unique one life that Joe Sanok lived? I think every time I would say, I wanna go back and relive it. But to relive my unique life means that I have to go through the broken parts and the unbroken parts and the parts that were messy and terrible and harmful and traumatic and also those high points. And so for me, it would be just allowing the unfolding of my life to happen and trying to have as little judgment around it and learning as much as I can for the future to cause less harm towards other people
0: is beautiful and very well said my friend thank you very much unbroken nation please check out joe and we'll put all the links and the information in the show notes please as usual like subscribe comment share leave a review tell a friend and until next time my friends be unbroken i'll see ya unbroken nation hope that you just got a tremendous amount of value from today's episode i want to know what you think please do me a favor and review, rate, and share the episode with three friends on social media today. It would mean the world if you did, because ultimately at the end of the day, creating community and connection is how we heal generational trauma in the world. And I need your help to do that on Broken Nation. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are, please like,